I've been zooming around my little cottage all day in my Kith M3, E30 M3. I actually uh, did do that. Yeah. Um, I made a short video, which can be viewed on Instagram. Um, but in order to make that work of art, I had to extract the car from the packaging, which was quite a bit more of a production than I thought. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like halfway through when I realized like, this is like when my brother used to collect like Hulk Hogan figurines, like it's supposed to be in the box. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. And he's hoping that like my- Hell yeah, brother. Son, yeah, yeah. My future son will like be like, wow, like mom in like the inheritance, like I got like, you know, not really any money, but I did get this Kith BMW. Yeah. Um, and so I've therefore destroyed my children's inheritance by unboxing it. But the video is really worth it. Is it an, un an unboxing video? Oh, no. It's a, a high-octane short action uh, <laughs> That's nice. like when kids would get, like, early on, a popular thing with, like, Yeezy sneakers was to get them out of the box and then go do, like, a kickflip in them and, and go viral briefly. And... Um, just shred thousands of dollars into thin air, um, which is totally worth it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there's nothing more valuable than clout, um, not even money or the rarest sneakers in the world. So. Yeah, there was a trend of people um, setting their like, you know, like Tom Sachs, Nike's on fire too. Like just, 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 just unbox like doing unboxing videos and then immediately just destroying in like a massive pyre, you know, the latest mm -hmm. hype sneaker. I always, yeah. I had Because every time they did that, like hype beast would write about it. Like, like, yeah. you know, fuck boy destroy it. Like sets pile of Jordans on fire or whatever. And it gives you the perfect platform to, from which to Area launch your, um, the perfect platform from which to launch your new streetwear brand. Um, once you get, you know, all that traffic. I had a really good idea for like a sneaker video series. Maybe this was like what I pitched when I worked at Complex. Instead, they decided to do um, sneaker shopping with Joe LaPuma, which seems to have worked out. But my idea was just destroying sneakers. So like take the hottest sneaker of the week and like put it in a blender or put it in the microwave or dump molten lava on it or like, you know, just like come up with, feed it to sharks or something or alligators, like come up with really creative ways every week to destroy um, the hottest new sneaker and um, no one liked that idea at all. Um, but. I think an artist did that with Chanel bags. <laughs> like took like a, like a really hot saw and just like moved it through the middle of a Chanel bag. I think a good new GQ YouTube franchise, maybe I'll bleep this out because it's so good, but you unbox the latest hype sneaker and you mess around with it and before and right before you try it on, you cut into it with a knife and it's cake. It's cake. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, there are, uh, there's actually, I mean, I remember um, last year for my birthday, I was trying to find like a cool cake design and I ended up getting a leopard print cake. But one of the things I did think about was a sneaker cake. Like an Air Force One? Yeah, or maybe like a Yeezy would be cooler. Oh, something more... Um, zeitgeisty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shall we um, boot up this episode of Corporate Lunch? Episode number 506,527. Um, Should we slice open this episode of Corporate Lunch? This episode of Corporate Lunch is actually a cake.
the GQ podcast about clothes, that's actually a cake. We're all cake people. You're living inside of a cake. Actually, you're living inside of a bubble. This is episode 107, I think. I feel like we've done 107 a few times. No, but sorry. This is, this is 108. 108. You know, unlike the magazine, this podcast doesn't have fact checkers. Um, we, can, we can make up and say whatever we want, including what number episode this is. And there's really absolutely nothing anyone can do about it. And for that, I'm grateful. As you guys know, this is the customer service podcast for um, fast casual diners and adventurous dressers and close friends only, um, mm-hmm. as always. So I think we can disclose that we recently went, the three of us recently went shopping together. We did. It was incredible. Should we set the scene? I mean, we had a nice, a nice classic hang because we, of course, um, observe and follow all of the principles of how to hang out that we've laid out on multiple corporate lunch episodes here. Um, and it involved a beautiful studio visit to Lauren Manugian. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Which that was, was like, really great. you know, just very heavenly, I thought, and soothing to me. And then we ambulated over to the Prada store after a couple beers so that Noah could try on yeah, some Yeah, we got, we gassed up and we were like, okay, if we're going to go to Prada, we got to be a little buzzed. We did gas up. And frankly, a couple drinks. I mean, for those who are just whatever, whatever it is you need to get like, you know, maybe it's a strong, maybe it's a green tea or some kombucha, or maybe like in our case, it's, it's a couple bottles of Asahi is really, you gotta, you gotta indulge before you enter such a retail emporium as the Prada epicenter. Epicenter, yeah. Prada doesn't call it retail enterprises stores, right? They're all epicenters, which is great. Um, Cause frankly, who wants to be in a store with all like full of regular clothes and regular people anyway? Can you tell us about the pants that you were um, hunting down at the Prada store? At the Prada I mean, Center, sorry. I really thought we might do a whole episode today on nylon, the fabric of the year. I mean, obviously, Rachel's been pushing the leather agenda. I'm pushing the nylon agenda. Um, and now that I think about it, there's like some really interesting similarities between nylon and leather, but that's for another time. Um, and Prada, Prada just um, released... I think just released like its whole re-nylon capsule, which is like, I don't know, it feels like for a couple of years now, Prada has bringing nylon back in a big way. This is like the nylon that they started using forever ago that was based on like Italian parachutes or something, right? It's like an indestructible, um, super heavyweight, but like pretty luxurious. I don't know if you've never touched Prada nylon, I strongly recommend. Doing it's like it. silk. Yeah, it's very yeah. silk, but it's like really tough feeling and it has i mean it like is a great fabric to wear like it is structured but drapes in a really cool way uh as i say all this i own i own zero pieces of prada nylon and i attempted to rectify that by buying some nylon pants which i didn't which i was close to doing they they have a few different versions like a track pant sort of a trouser and like a technical pant and the trouser has like a I would say an exceptional fit. Did you guys think that fit was exceptional? It was exceptional. I didn't pull the trigger that day because there's one other style I, I want to try to seek out. You know, it's it's sort of an investment piece, I would say. So I'm going to take my time with it. Most likely they're already sold out. A lot of it was already sold out. I think the, the nylon stuff has sort of a culty, I don't know if it has a cult following. Maybe they just don't make that much of it. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, but it seems to be moving fast because I think it was only out. I think they only put it out a few days ago. 
You know, I was I was definitely feeling team leather for the season versus team nylon, but visiting the Prada store and and, and touching all of the the re nylon garms um, has me a little shook. And then I saw um, the um, new Givenchy perfect square reptilian jacket, um, yeah. and that that just sort of freaked me out too much and um, forced me to reconsider what I'm what I'm the goals I'm pursuing. I actually thought the collection was cool. I will say, it, I'll go on the record and say I think the Givenchy collection is cool. Are you gonna wear leather briefs? Oh, that's the yeah, that's the one. Is the leather speedo? I'm down for for sure. Wait, I, speedo would imply like a piece, like a, a a standalone piece one would wear, like say by the pool or like with a camp shirt and some sandals. Well, that's how it was styled with like pool slides and a little open open shirt thing. They're called the marshmallow. I didn't, I'll admit, I didn't look super carefully at them, but I read those pieces as briefs. Like, didn't they have like the crotch fold entrance access point? Seems like you looked at them pretty closely. (laughs) (laughs) The images weren't quite high res enough for the level that I really actually wanted to look at them in, but, um, well, anyway, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's getting those leather those leather briefs wet, but I do think that they're meant to be worn poolside. <laughs> A lot of different um, ways to, to think about getting your leather briefs wet, but. The thing that I think is so interesting about this, about what Matt Williams is doing is that I think like he is sort of, he's like the first millennial couture designer in the sense that he's to him like you know, like the horn shoes, for example, were a McQueen thing, right? And he is also kind of looking a lot at stuff that Ricardo Tisci did with like the iciness of the of the clothes and the like rigidity in some ways of the tailoring is like something that, you know, Ricardo did from time to time. And what's interesting to me about that is like a lot of times like when a designer starts at one of these like heritage houses, they're like, well, I went back through the archive and found this dress from like 1954. And I think he's doing a little bit of that, but it seems like he's equally, if not more, looking to like Galliano and McQueen and Tishi as like those to him, those are like, more legendary than Hubert, which which is kind of interesting because he's sort of the first designer of that, of like our generation who's 34, um, to take one of these big jobs and really take it in a way that is like the, the sort of values of our generation. That's an interesting point. I mean, I guess it has to do with his age in a sense, like he's further away from McQueen than, you know, any other designers would have been before him but also seems to me there's just like a different level of comfort with with using those references like it seems like once upon a time you wouldn't reference something that was from the recent past like that it would feel like frankly too much like it's just been done and it's time to like move on and introduce new ideas but I think like his generation and it's gotten them in trouble from time to time as we've seen with like Virgil um, is just more comfortable with like pulling the references that they've sort of seen on the way, on the way to the position they're in and not necessarily like feeling like they need to spend all this time with the archives to, to like, whatever, bring that heritage DNA into the, 
But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Matt was looking into the archives to some extent, no? Maybe? Yeah. But I think also, like, the archives also, like, the McQueen stuff, the Galliano stuff, like, that's all yeah. in the archives now. Right. One thing I did think was cool was that he had Hedgy Shin photograph the lookbook. Who's, um, who's I don't know who that is. Hedgy Shin is the, is the incredible photographer who took those amazing, super close-up portraits of Kanye um that were in the whitney biennial a few years ago and then her most famous thing is that she takes pictures of babies like crowning oh. she's like a very like intense uh kind of like awesome in the like very metal sense of the word photographer so i thought she that was a really a cool, cool she has a really cool um rooster series too yeah of, like, crazy yeah. fighting roosters I think it's just called Cox, which is yeah. great. <laughs> um, she's really cool. You mean um, she shot the images that are like on Vogue Runway, like the actual official collection images? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the lookbook images that are like the circulating images. It's actually a really fantastic lookbook. Like there's a great range of just expressions and like body language. I mean, it's just the models on a white background. Some are sort of like almost out of the frame. They're all cropped a little bit differently. And um, it's actually, I don't know, there's, it's so simple, but it's like really dynamic and pretty um, fun to look at actually in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. And some of the models are smiling and some are mean mugging. Yeah, exactly. It's really like bizarre, you usually like, don't. They're like moving in different directions. They're, I mean, this is like the most obvious stuff, but somehow I think in this case, it just comes off feeling really, like really alive. And he had, um, Matt had a lot of Volkova style it, correct? Mm -hmm. It was all these little, funny details like uh you know the, the the models have painted toes some of them um yeah. that are wearing like the some of the male models who are wearing the um you know the Givenchy Hoka recovery slides uh, <laughs> the marshmallow slide the marshmallow the Givenchy slide. marshmallow slide like I think there's like a real sense of humor in this lookbook that you know the clothes are pretty uh the clothes are pretty serious but the execution here is pretty tongue-in-cheek which i respect did you guys read that work friend uh column from the beginning of quarantine that uh katie when katie weaver was doing the work friend column for mm. new york times someone wrote in and was like i have this problem which is like i've been pregnant and i never told my boss <laughs> and she was like i'm about to give birth <laughs> and uh and like now the the baby is like in the back of all their Zoom screaming and she doesn't know what to do. And Katie's advice was to just be like, I told you I had a baby. That's a good one. I feel like Have if you guys so ever lied at that level? No, <laughs> no. Me neither. I, no, I wish I had. Is the Givenchy square leather jacket the, the, uh, the signature piece of, of 20, spring 21? Yeah, I've been thinking about who's gonna who's gonna wear it first. Bella Hadid. Um, but see, I could really see I could see like um, like little baby wearing it with nothing underneath, like as a crop top. Uh, with pants or no? You mean no other top? Well, obviously with the little speedo. With the leather speedo. How much do we think the devil hats are gonna be? I'll let you know when I submit my personal order. Okay. Thank you. Well, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you guys if there was like anything from Fashion Week that you thought was cool. Because I have like a new theory for, for clothes that I want to share with you guys. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say that the row is fully my, um, 
my guiding light, my beacon, my, my agenda that the Rose collection of just like huge, everything huge. It looks so good. I mean, it looks like a eighties Armani collection, frankly. Um, and I thought Balenciaga was killer mm -hmm. and very, I felt, um, kind of vindicated because I've liked Balenciaga a lot all, the, all along. And I really think them is sort of a, a genius and has been doing great work. And then like Vetmont sort of like feels like it's come and gone. And like, it was all this like ironic gesture that, that doesn't have staying power and who knows, but I think Balenciaga is like really strong and probably the most compelling fashion brand on the planet this week. Completely um, agree with you. And those are my those are my thoughts and feelings right now. Yeah, I agree on both those points for sure. Um, I think we shouldn't overlook the uh, Cole Haan slack sneakers that dropped during Fashion Week too. I mean, those were pretty fire. Um, Wait, I, can I just can we just pause on that for a second? Because like I get it, like it's funny, like a, a kind of irrelevant, like uncool shoe brand does a collab with like this obnoxious software that we're all kind of we've been chained to for months now and and neither are cool and it would be like if mark zuckerberg had a collaboration with uh toms or um uh what is the other shoe everyone makes fun of that like dorks wear all birds all birds yeah it would be like if zuckerberg had a the zuckerbirds um <laughs> if the zuckerbirds came out but anyway, so what I'm saying is I'm confused about why it's become such a phenomenon because it seems like something that would be really easy to ignore. There's just have the takes been, there's not even a take. Are the, have the jokes been good? Is there- I did why? a take. What? I did a take on GQ.com. Basically what I think is weird about it is it's like there's no humor to it. Like even when you're talking about Zuckerberg and like all birds, like that could be kind of, he's like, you know how it is, da 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 da. But they were just like so earnest. They were like, we all use Slack <laughs> and it's just a part of our lives. And this is a comfortable shoe that's about connecting people. Jesus. Yeah. So there was just no like knowingness to it about connecting connecting my fist to your face when i see you wearing those <laughs> in the street yeah. um you know when it invites in, inside sam hine to violence it's an effective collab okay um, sorry i also liked the i liked the um the tom brown collection a lot um that was beautiful. and i thought in terms i, I thought the the presentation and the you know i mean tom's like he thinks so big with his presentations and shooting the video in the LA Coliseum and casting real athletes alongside models. Um, I thought it was just super clever, you know, considering he's been, you know, dressing NBA players and soccer players um, over the last couple of years in his suits. And I also thought that was just like one of his best collections in years. Yeah, Cause it's yeah. gotten really, really crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, almost too crazy it's like oh it's like a giraffe wearing a bustle and this was just like everything was like calm and streamlined and it was it looked so expensive <laughs> like in a good way i mean it just was like super expensive really, and like, super you could, elegant you could like almost like feel the fabric just looking at it i yeah. like that it just i mean obviously this isn't necessarily like the commercial collection but it definitely should like the there are these like longer jackets and wider pants 
that like I always I really like Tom Brown, but I also always thought his suits, all his clothes look really good, kind of oversized, which isn't really the thing. It's not necessarily how they would tailor it. I mean, it specifically is like the shrunken suit, but um, obviously that's evolved over the years. And this collection had had like some bigger, more relaxed kind of silhouettes that I really liked, particularly the wider pant and longer jacket. Yeah, it looks expensive as all get out. It looks like Chanel or something. It does, yeah. You know what else looked like Chanel uh, was for us? Yeah. Well, Angelo loves Chanel. That collection was so good. It was really good. It was one of my favorite things of the year, I think. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I drove out to Long Island to his house where he's, uh, where he's running his operation from and, and looked at the collection. And um, it's so good. It's really, I mean, that's stuff you, you really want to see in person too, like really nice fabrics, really nice attention to detail. I mean, he, like you don't work at engineer garments for 20 years or something without coming away with just like an insane sense of fabrics and construction. Um, but I think like to your point, Angelo loves like Armani and Chanel and um, stuff that doesn't really like make it into the engineer garments collections necessarily. I mean, you could definitely find these like here and there places where he'd done it over the years with Daiki, but I think like this is his his chance to just go off. And, was he wearing um, his, um, when you visited him, was he wearing his leather pants and Chrome Hearts Burks? No, he uh, he was probably wearing his Chrome Hearts Burks. He has a lot of Chrome Hearts. He's a major, major Chrome Hearts guy. Um, he was, it was really hot that day. He wasn't wearing leather pants. He was wearing shorts, but I'm sure it was for us stuff. He has some sick fall winter 21 leather pants. He's been wearing the samples around, which I know because I DM'd him and I was like, what are those? What are those? Remember, what are those? What an innocent time. Remember Kanye's daughter singing, what are those? These are clothes. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. What did she say? <laughs> what lyrics? Was that it? That's going to be the new national anthem when Kanye becomes president. Should we talk more about Balenciaga? One thing that I think is so cool about Balenciaga is like, so this collection was, because it's a pre-collection, you yeah. know, so this is meant to be, in some ways, this is meant to be like, like, co quote unquote, commercial pieces, which is to say like things that they know are going to like sell well, which is yeah. interesting in part because like, he gave this, you know, when Kathy Horn did those like, that set of interviews for New York Mag. He was, you know, one of the people she spoke to and he spoke a lot about how like frustrated he's been with like the merchandising team at Balenciaga, which like just wants to push stuff that sells. Whereas like, he's like, we have to figure out a way to like translate what I'm doing on the runway to things that sell. And like, that's, so he's now like overseeing those people, which he wasn't before. And I felt like you could really see that in this collection, which is like, these are the things that people are really going to want. And like several of those are just like really frightening goth guys with like black robes on. <laughs> which I think, which is like, that is actually like a standard Balenciaga look now, you know, it's like, yeah, like the cool kind of glamorous woman who's like both buying and selling art and then like someone who's wearing a crazy fur coat made out of shoelaces and then like a really scary guy who like is what you see before you die. Do you think those um, sweatshirt shawls are, what, do you have a sense of what those, uh, what that piece is? I don't know. 
I mean, I wonder if there's like a cap underneath so that it locks on your head. Because it's not, it's not like an actual sweatshirt that they just styled that way, right? Doesn't it? Because it doesn't seem to have like a neck hole. But I, I mean, you'd think yeah. you'd be able to see, it would reveal a little more of like sweatshirt construction, but it's just sort of seems to be like sleeves and like a body draped over the head. Yeah. Um, which is a thing that I just really love. Yeah, I want one of those for sure. I just want that red robe coat. I, I really want that red robe coat too. Um, look like the old man in the red. The old man, that was the best look in the show, I thought. With the long cut off shorts and then the long, like the high socks. This is a good sneaker too. That sneaker is new that the guy is wearing. I would wear that sneaker. So does anyone want to um, break down for us the discourse around the Vuitton women's show? Or does anyone understand it? Is it worth discussing? No, you're the one who skateboards. So I think, I think you're, this one's on you to break down for us. Yeah, it's, I didn't really like that. That I mean, there's a shirt that says skate, but I thought this collection looked super cool. But I don't really follow... I feel like everything uh, Vuitton women's wear designer Nicolas Gasquier does is becomes quite controversial. And I don't fully know why, probably because I don't like follow it that closely, but he's like the most beloved women's designer of the last, other than like Phoebe Philo, probably of the last couple decades. So, but then I don't know, do people think it's not as good as it once was or do people think it's, People are upset because he wrote a pretty um, regressive, like, like his press notes about the collection were sort of a, or not sort of, but a pretty regressive view of gender relations. Okay. And dynamics and identity. Um, so. We got heat for that. Yeah. Did you yeah. look at the notes? What did you make of it? I didn't look at the notes, but I read Kathy Horn's review, which was really good. And she said he just had kind of taken a very sort of um, a not super creative or curious approach to doing gender fluid dressing. Ah, which is this collection was supposed to, I mean, I guess this collection, I mean, it definitely had some men's wary stuff. That's why I'm bringing yeah. it up. But it's like, but he was kind of, and yeah, and the the casting was pretty um, androgynous. But it was like, you know, androgynous in like an 80s or early 90s way. Yeah. So it looked, it like, looked kind oh, of... Like back hair. And then, um, like, the looks that were... It was kind of like, oh, like, it was very, like, borrowed from the boys, you know? Like, he had, like, a kind of a mini dress under a really big kind of men's coat. And it's like, we've we've done that for like 30 years, 40, maybe even 50 years. So like, it was just, it wasn't very like, uh, they weren't really provocative or progressive um, images of gender fluid clothing. I mean, personally, I, I was not gonna vote in the election and then um, look one came right. out and I was like, okay, I should register to vote probably. Yeah, I mean, the graphic pieces were sort of tacky and, but I thought like some of this like big tailoring and the like voluminous trousers with the pleats. And I mean, this is not, I, I don't mean as part of any type of like 
non-binary gender discourse whatsoever. Some of it I thought just looked really cool. Um, well, that's the thing is, I think actually, um, I know that like when I go into like a store like Balenciaga, for example, I look at both the men's and women's and it doesn't really make a difference to me. Like I, you know, and also like in department stores and boutiques, like I look at both sections and I pull things and try things on and have purchased things from both sections. And I think a lot of people are already doing that. So it seems a little weird for a big fashion house to be like, men can wear my clothes too. Like I think women are wearing Virgil, the clothing that Virgil makes. I think that men are wearing some of the things that Gasquier makes. And I think non-binary people probably feel like this is a needless distinction. Right. It, it, well, it does make one wonder if there's like uh, uh, tension in the house of Vuitton regarding like who's, who's shopping where, um, but. Well, I remember, I don't know if this is still true, but I, I do remember like several months ago, I noticed that uh, Virgil follows Nicola, but Nicola does not follow Virgil on Instagram. I don't know if that means anything. I mean, you could imagine that he might feel a little territorial or a little, you know, he was there first and he's been there a very long time. And Virgil, obviously with Off-White, does make a lot of women's clothes that a lot of really cool women like. And um, so maybe they do compete directly a little bit more with each other than like would typically be the case for the, the sort of men's versus women's divide in a house like that. But that's petty. I mean, come on, Gasquier should he should follow he should he should smash the follow button. I think. Should we do some vibes? Yeah. This is thirteen vibes, the not so fast lightning round, where we tell you thirteen things, and you do what you want with them. You haven't done thirteen vibes in a while, so. This will be the most powerful, the most meaningful 13 vibes of your life. This is the one that could change it all. This is the one that could turn it all around for you. I know we've all, times have been tough, but um, we're here to tell you 13 things that are gonna make life easier and potentially change everything for you. Okay, my first vibe is vintage cycling jerseys. Mm. So Mm. back when traveling abroad was a thing, Rachel and I were in Florence and we went to a very good vintage store. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's right behind the Margaret Howell store in Florence. And they had this big rack of vintage wool, like, like not like, like, like super old, like wool uh, Italian cycling jerseys. So like with like Bianchi on them and, and all these super cool logos of like Italian vermouth brands that sponsored, you know, biking teams or whatever. Um, and I didn't buy any because they were made for like, I think they were from like the seventies and they're made for like super tiny bikers. So I tried them all on and they were like, so, so, so tight. But recently on the street on orchard street, I came across a guy who's selling vintage clothes just like off of a rack. Um, and John Caramonic actually wrote about, um, this guy in his latest critical shopper column. And, uh, I, um, my friend bought a vintage, polo sport cycling jersey that I probably stole and wore um, because it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it has- Water bottle holders? 
Yeah, so it has the water bottle holders on the back, which um, wow. really come in handy when you're city biking around and you need uh, a little refreshment. Yeah, I like to fill those with Budweiser's. You, so you don't want to, you don't want to, um, so you're going vintage. You're not going for the new Palace Can Cannondale uh, bike jersey collab. I'm honestly thinking about it, but I just think, I think the, the key is to find a size that's like not aerodynamic tight. Yeah. Because that's just a little bit, it's a little bit harder to like wear around casually, which is sort of what I'm going for. I'm not, I'm not trying to work out in these. Well, the polo sport, when you have no offense, and this isn't, this is like no shots fired, but is probably not necessarily an actual cycling jersey. I think it's more of a, you know, sportswear piece. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Uh, I think someone, I, it is actually like a techie, it's a sort of techie fabric, but just like many generations of tech fabric ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but the old, but, but that's why the vintage ones are so cool, because they were just made of like heavy, scratchy wool. Um, because that's sort of all they had and it's sort of impossible to believe that people actually like you know cycled up the alps in them or whatever but they did and now <laughs> they're just like nice sweaters you know but so the key is just to find like a really oversized one um which is why i probably won't be copying the rafa palace collab despite how sick they are rachel what's your next vibe what's the vibe uh, next for you okay mine's like I've, it's a spiral vibe. It's a spiral that I've been going down, which is just like no more normal stuff. <laughs> I just like, I can't look at anything normal. I can't hear anything normal. I don't want to talk about anything normal. I don't want to wear anything normal. And I don't want to read anything normal. Just only like crazy freak stuff. All right. I'm shook. I'm shook to my core. Um, I don't think there should be any follow-up questions to that vibe. I don't think there's any other way to, to live in this time. Honestly, I think Rachel's totally I know, right. but I think a lot of people are like doing normal stuff. Yeah. And like if... listening to normal music, reading normal books. This is this is based on your 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 blockbuster tweet from earlier this week that was like Nate, give me your favorite band, your favorite color, and your favorite type of pants. Is that what it was? Yeah, but it's something I've been thinking about before. Like I read this really good piece in Pitchfork about why people listen to the same music over and over again, like a couple of months ago, yeah. which is a really good piece. Um, and then I was like, I I need to start like just listening to stuff that I never would have listened to. It, the piece made you want to not listen to the same stuff over and over again? Exactly. I listen to the same stuff over and over again entirely because of the technology that we use to listen to music, and I friggin' hate it. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should make that, each other some mixes. That's for another mm -hmm. time. Ooh, good idea. Or we can make a corporate lunch mix. Yeah, we could do, yeah, we should do a corporate lunch playlist on Spotify. That'd be fun. Let's do it. We'll talk to Willa. Um, I've got so many vibes that I want to share, but I'm going to go with one just uh, right down the middle because we've covered it already, but my vibe is nylon pants. And I'm going to add to this. I already did this. So the vibe part is my recommendations for nylon pants to buy, which I don't normally do, but I'm going to do it now. So the top nylon pants are Prada. Good luck out there. It's not for the faint of heart. 
18 East just re released some excellent nylon pants that zip into shorts. Different oh, kinds, nice. different experience, but also quite nice. There's a really, really good, super technical, it's like a, it's like acronym light almost, Japanese brand called Tiatora, which is starting to get some distribution outside of Japan. They're actually, some of their good pieces are at end clothing right now. And they make an excellent, like packable nylon pant. And then the next nylon pant that maybe the top one is made by the Australian brand that I love, Mantle. And it's kind of a jogger. It actually has elastic bottom, but it's not like cinched tight. It's just mm -hmm. kind of good at shape. And that's, oh, that's really, nice. really heavy duty nylon. And um, that's it. Those are the nylon pants I'm going to recommend at various, maybe that was various price points. I think it probably was. I recommend um, finding the nylon pant that works best for you and your lifestyle. You know, that's, that's, that's the last thing I'm going to say about nylon pants until at least the next episode of Corporate Lunch. All right, should we speed round? Why? I mean, you talked so long about bike jerseys. It feels a little unfair. This is like a presidential debate. Like we all should get equal amount of time to talk. Yeah, I know, but we've done one round and now we can do another one. All right. One thing Just I faster. found really stupid about the presidential debate or the, the VP debate discourse is I was like, no one's ever interrupted me on corporate lunch. So all these women being like, this is just like when Jim interrupted me in that meeting. I was like, I don't know. Like no one, Sam always just let me talk. <laughs> yeah. I feel like on zoom, we interrupt each other more than we would normally. Obviously Sam's look at Sam gearing up for his next vibe, putting a funny hat on the Jamiroquai. You guessed it. You guessed it. Next vibe is Jamiroquai. <laughs> My next vibe is, no, my next vibe is weird hats because I'm in that club. Here's the deal. This is my debate. Voice. Here's the deal. Now, number one, Oops. folks, number one, uh, I realized that, well, this is sort of a realization I had this summer, which is when you're going outside wearing a mask, sunglasses don't work because at least for me, I can't figure out how to not fog them up. So I've had to embrace hats and headwear in a way that I haven't previously this fall and winter. You got to find your cool, weird hat. I'm wearing one. The weird hat that I'm wearing currently is by um, Emily Don Long. And it's knit in this sort of strange, conular shape. And you're supposed to sort of like fuck with it and find, you know, like the, the, the interpretation that works for you. I'm still working on it, clearly. Looks good on you. I like fur hats. I like hats that are too big, hats that are too small. You know who's a hat god? Steven Ooh. Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible hats. Like, just like mad hatter hats. Is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah, my vibe is Steven Tyler's hats, so go is ahead. It? No, you have to do a different one. I don't have one. Well, you're going to have time to think about it because I'm going to go next. And my vibe, Sam, you can help me out with this one, but it's the Brooklyn-based furniture store Lycan. Yeah, um, nice. Which, kind of a controversial vibe because I've never been to the store, but I've been following them on Instagram because uh, I think they have really good taste in furniture. And um, I say, Sam, help me out. Cause Sam, I think you were just there, but it seems mm -hmm. like, I mean, there's lots of like cool little indie used modern and mid-century furniture stores popping up here and there. Now there's one called homecoming. That's quite good. That my friend Dan King and his wife run and, and um, buy right is another one. That's pretty cool. And, they sort of specialize in like funkier stuff. Lycan I think is like a little more classic, but like definitely is 
not just carrying like the obvious Eames and Knoll and what have you kind of hits from the mid century. They're like digging up the more interesting pieces and whatnot. And it just seems like they have like a really cool vibe around that store. So their vibe and at least an Instagram follow or inspo. Yeah. Yeah, they, they make um, some of their own stuff too. They have a, a very cool coffee table that they make. And I will say of all the vintage, of all the um, shops that you mentioned and sort of like good like New York-based vintage furniture Instagrams, Lycan has, I think, the fairest prices of them all. So yeah, the reason to check it out. Rachel, vibe or die? Uh, really old stuff, just like the oldest stuff you can find. <laughs> I just bought I bought a bowl that's like 150 years old that people used to like your whole family would eat stew out of it <laughs> that's like the family's one bowl <laughs> yeah um Lloyd and I bought these like really rickety bedside tables that are also really old um then we found a bunch of like gnarly rugs on the street like last night and we brought them upstairs and they're all over the floor and then one of them has a big hole in it, but then Lloyd, being Lloyd, just pulled like some giant, really old, like, I guess it's like a tent flap from Persia out from under the bed and put it on top of the hole. Wow. Really old stuff. Just so old. Lloyd being Lloyd. Older than you can ever imagine. If it seems old, find something even older. Yeah, another one of my vibes for today was the the um, the website and app liveauctioneers.com, which is like full of old stuff. Always been like a big eBay and Etsy and like a little bit of first dibs, a little bit of whatever have you. And I never really got into live auctioneers. It felt too advanced and too like antique shopping for me. Um, not that I'm like buying lots of shit either way, but I finally downloaded the app and have logged in some serious hours browsing strange auctions full of old stuff mostly because oh the other vibe i wanted to do today especially was shaker furniture which oh, is oh yeah now i mean that's really old stuff that's very old stuff the old stuff i missed the the big furniture interior episode so i'm making up for it but sam reese um, did a great piece in the october issue of gq on shaker furniture which is obviously old simple practical, utilitarian, durable, smartly made wooden furniture um, of the kind that is like probably mostly familiar to people, especially if you like live in the Northeast, but um, is like majorly influential on like the whole mid-century thing and uh, yeah, like Donald Judd is like a huge kind of majorly influenced by Shaker stuff. If you look at like the interiors of Judd's, the Judd Foundation in New York, there's a lot of shaker stuff in that home, like along with his, his work. And um, so anyway, shaker chairs, I'm sort of obsessed. I would like to acquire a significant shaker chair at some point. Um, and live auctioneers has been kind of a, a fun resource for that. Maybe I'll build one. Maybe I'll become a shaker. The thing is shakers were celibate. So they're all kind of gone. There's like one, I don't know. Someone told me there's like one living shaker somewhere and he was, he's not even like an original, the only shakers remaining have like joined later. Cause obviously um, mul multiple generations of a celibate uh, tribe aren't really going to last very long. I should have thought of that. I know. Yeah. Hey, on that note, um, 
Stay celibate. Stay. How do we normally end it? Oh, write a review. Tell a friend. Tell tell your. You know, I think a lot of your parents out there probably would like to get involved, or your little brothers and sisters. I think you know, listen to this show. There's 107, 108 episodes now of of just us talking. Mm-hmm. Think about that. How great that is. And um, stop doing normal shit. Don't do any normal shit. DM Sam. The least normal thing you can think of. And um, we'll see you next time. We gotta go.